congregation of the Lord, I will be bringing the Word of God from Exodus chapter 24. You can find it on your pew Bibles, page 119. Exodus chapter 24. I will be reading from verse 1 up to verse 11. Page 119. This is when Israel was established, officiated as a nation. God called the leaders up to Mount Sinai, gave them the law, as we just read earlier, and the covenant is ratified here in this passage. So let us see what the Lord says. I'll be reading from the NKJV. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses come and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it, read in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. As far as the reading for today, let us pray. Father, help us to understand your word. Help me to be clear and speak through me so that your word will be explained, understood, believed, and obeyed. Work in each heart that is present today, for it is only your spirit that gives new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So brothers and sisters, the Bible is a story of one story. I have to emphasize that so many times. I came from a background that's known as dispensationalism, and that theology teaches that the Bible is segregated into different dispensations. You chop here, another chop here, another section there, and it's just confusing, at least, and heretical. 
We believe in what we call as covenant theology. That is, our God is the covenant God who called His people. We can only come to Him because God called us, and He consecrated us with Jesus' blood, united us with His Word. He gave us elders to lead the church, and we have somewhere to go. We have a banquet waiting for us when we see Jesus face to face. So we will see all that in our passage today. You can see on your outlines. This is the blueprint of the church. It is one story, the people of God, called the church in the Old Testament, known as Israel. It's one people. So we will see how it's worked out. We will see the first section called by God. Immediately in verse 1, you see Moses is called by God. Come! Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders. And worship. Come and worship. That is why we begin our worship with the call to worship. Israel became a nation because God called them made them into a nation, freed them from land of slavery. Christians, remember what Jesus says. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. So we are called by the Father, and we find our refuge in Jesus Christ. We're called to come and worship. Just like Israel, we are indeed one people from the old time until today. One people of God. So we have to see the parallel. The church, like Israel, is the covenant people came into being based on God's call. The existence is only for one thing, to worship. Westminster says it in a very beautiful way, to worship Him and enjoy Him forever. It's one thing. The only thing you can enjoy God is by worshiping Him. Now, let me draw application from just this one verse. We have been called from death to life into one body being united. That is the church. We are not called in isolation. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christian. We are called citizens, people, and the new life is given so that we worship Jesus Christ, our God. Give glory to Him. So people of God, is this the reality of your life? Do we live our life day by day to love Him, to come to Him, to know Him better? How do we use our time? How do we use our talent? How do we use the time that God gives down here? It's temporary. May we come to Him and worship. Now, the second heading is H, heading, headed by elders, led by elders. So you see, as a church, we're united, and God does not leave us alone, but God gives elders to govern the church, godly men. Here in the passage, we see Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders. That was a big nation, quite big. And they were to govern the Israelites. If you look at your Bible, same chapter, verse 14. 
Moses said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. If any man has a difficulty, what does Moses say? Let him go to them. So the elders are there to regulate the church. If we look, Moses is what we know today as a prophet. He serves as priest as well. And then we see Aaron and his children were the priests. But today in our church, we do not have these anymore. We don't need prophets. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the last prophet, himself being the epitome of God's revelation of men. So if you claim that you need more prophets today, you deny that Jesus Christ is sufficient. So beware with churches proclaiming that we have prophets or apostles. Likewise, priests, Jesus is the ultimate high priest, great high priest, the mediator between God and man. Let no man add layers to that. We come to, Jesus, to, to God boldly through Jesus Christ alone. And we're all priests, holy nation. Don't add more into God's design. So what's left? The elders. Churches are to be led by elders. Today, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and elders are the visible local governing officers. That's why the commandment says, Obey your father and mother. And then as Moses expounded it in Deuteronomy, he includes governments there, the church, and obedience to also governments. Now, I want to draw your attention to these two verses again, chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. Twice in that verse, you hear, you can only worship from afar. Do not come near. Why? I thought God called us to worship. But don't worship from near, just from afar. In chapter 19, what do you see? If you remember the story, stay, don't even touch the mountain or you will die. Because God is holy, 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 and we are wretched sinners. We can't just come. We need mediator. That's why Moses was the one going up on the mountain. What is Moses? Moses is the type of Christ. He is the shadow serving before the real Christ Jesus, the real mediator, comes. So today, New Testament believers, you and I, we may come boldly to the throne of grace to pray, to ask our petitions, to just talk to Him, to worship Him through Jesus Christ. What privilege. Call Him Father, and the elders, don't forget, they're all sinners like us, redeemed by grace. Before we go on, let me put some applications here. If you know your elders are just like you, sinners, saved by grace, have you been praying for your elders? Often we complain, oh, this elder does this, oh, I don't know what they decide now, but have you been praying for them? Do you uphold them every day? Do you help them? How do you help? Come to the elders when you have difficulties. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. Confess your sins to one another or come to the elders. 
That's how we are healed, says James chapter 5. This is God's command. So let us work together as a church, praying for the government that God puts above us. Now, we move on, verses 3 and 4. Elders, the leaders, are fallible people. But God is infallible. How can the church be saved then? Our next heading says, we are united by His Word. One man leads, another man leads. Different ideas, different self-interest. Breaking church here and there. Separations. But when we are united, governed by the Word, this is what the church will be. United in Jesus Christ. One Word, one Spirit. And look at the word quickly. Verse 3, Moses came and told the people all the words. It's being read out. And then uh, verse 4, all the word is what? Written. Moses wrote all the words. That's the key word. All the words that we need to know to regulate the church is written. Paul says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles, which is New Testament, and the prophets, which is Old Testament. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. That's Ephesians 2.20. And that is the foundation upon which we were built. And Ephesians 4 says, maintain the unity. Stay on the word, in the word. That's our boundaries. This is our rules, our constitution. Elders, we don't make rules. We just Bring the law. Let it be expounded. Let it be obeyed. That is our constitution. And that is infallible word. That will give life. If you stop preaching, churches are dead. Look at the modern churches. Those who are going into modern worldview, heretical, um, <clears throat> postmodern worldview. They trade the truth of the gospel Look what's the end. They all dissolve into one nothingness. Just wait for the time. It's like you read Old Testament, all the enemies of Israel from century to century, they passed away. But the church stands strong. So today, trust the word of Jesus Christ. Preach it faithfully. Don't be ashamed of it. This is what perpetuates the church. This is what gives new life. This life-giving word needs to be written. It's written. needs to be read. Here we are today, reading it. We need to teach it as well. I will quote from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book. Distinctly from the book. In the law of God, and they gave the sense, explaining it, and they helped them to understand the reading. So we need to aim to understand. Work together as a church. Talk to your pastor. Ask questions. Talk to your elders. Communicate. I don't understand this. Your preaching can help if it's this way. Communication is the key. Based on the word. Keep your preachers accountable. Let this pulpit only preach the Bible distinctly. Nothing else. Keep it open as I speak, as everybody here speaks. Check it. Test it. This is how we are united, allegiance to the Word, the true scriptures, 66 books, 
and the faithful interpretation of it. This is one important thing, application that you want to keep in mind. Do not leave a church or worse, start a new church unless the two above, the preaching and also the interpretation of it goes already. Do not leave a church. Most of the time that happens because of our selfish ambitions, discomfort. May the word be the thing, the only one that unite us as the people of God. Now the next section, I want you to see um, in verse five, what happened? Then he sent young men of children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. The word was read. What happens next is that they pledge their allegiance, I will obey, and they gave sacrifice. You know why? Because the word of God reveals God's holiness, our sinfulness, and the need for redemption. And this is what faithful preaching is. And that will bring about repentance. The burnt offering is a mandatory offering, if you read in Leviticus, and that's declaring when you give the offering, I am a sinner. I must be put to death. But I sacrifice this animal. Not that this animal saves, but I know and I believe that one day for Israelites, that one true sacrifice would come. And for us, I see that Jesus came and he died for my sin. He gave completely himself. The burnt offering was burnt completely, gone, no more, nothing left. Now, the second offering mentioned there is the peace offering, and that is voluntary offering. And part of this is to be eaten, as we see there in chapter, uh, verse 11. So you burn, and then part of it you eat. What does that mean? That symbolizes that what? God and man are reconciled. Better yet, we share a meal they eat and drink together. Isn't that beautiful? This is what Jesus does, reconciling us to Father. More than that, we also see the sacrifices voluntary means. I give my life as a living sacrifice. Now let me get back to the passage today. You see in verse um, three, uh, four, 3 and 4 actually, and also again in verse 7, the preaching of the word is central to the gathering of the people. It is read, they agree. They offer sacrifice. It is read again. They pledge their allegiance again. And time to time they will do it. And that is our Sunday worship. We renew the covenant that I am your people and you are my God. So speak, O Lord and I will obey. The true preaching calls for obedience. So it is not work-based salvation. Some say, oh, you are saved by grace. Do what you want. We are not under law anymore. Wrong. 
The other side says you gotta obey the law or you will lose your salvation. Also wrong. The right theology teaches us that we are saved by grace through faith and that will bring about obedience. And the word calls for obedience. And as you obey, you will see that He is working it out in your life each day that His will be done in your life. So test, try it, obey the Lord, ask for it, and He will work it in you. I will quote from Romans 6, verses 17, 18. Paul says, But God be thanked that through you, that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Israelites knew being slave feels like. It was terrible, especially when Moses was about to rescue them. But here they pledged their allegiance to be slaves of righteousness because they know there is life in this God. Is this our confession, brothers and sisters? May our church be known for our obedience to the word because we believe. So you obey it because you believe it will yield result. Because you believe God is faithful and he will make it to completion. Now the next section, this is the important part, verses 5 to 8, you see that they are making a ritual. It was a common ritual back in um, ancient Near East when they want to pledge um, allegiance from two parties. Let's say there's one party and another party. They agree on something. They make a covenant, fancy word for agreement. How do they do it? They will write the agreement on a stone or papyrus, and then what's next? They will shed blood to prove that this is me. I don't know, in their culture, I think they cut themselves. In Chinese culture, they they do teeth. It's kind of weird, back in the days. But blood is essential part to sign this is me, and it's intermingling. The two blood is mixed together, like two parties become one. We agree. Can you see what happens there? Now God is so kind to use the same method so that Israelites understood what God is doing. So God is making an agreement, a covenant. You see the covenant? The agreement is read, verse 4, 3 and 4. Allegiance is pledged. I will obey. What's next? Blood is sprinkled. So the covenant is ratified. There's blood in it. Done. Sealed. But Moses did not use his blood, nor Israel's blood. We don't see God's blood for sure. But it's blood of the animal again. Why? As we have seen, it points to Jesus Christ, the true sacrifice, whose blood unites us and also God and his people. So we are consecrated, set apart by Christ's blood and united as brothers and sisters. That's why Hebrews says, um, chapter 9, verse 15, and for this reason, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. For the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that 
those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Adam, the first Adam, failed. But Jesus, the second Adam, and the final Adam, fulfilled it for us. And he said, remember, this is my blood of the new covenant that is taken from this passage. Jesus has added the word, my blood of the covenant. How is it new? Because it's renewed. His death cut the new covenant, made official. Now, how do we apply this truth? We are consecrated by blood, the most precious blood, the thickest blood, even thicker than family, to be one family in church. How have we loved our church members? Do we care for them as much as we care for our blood relatives? Do we forgive as we have been forgiven? If the person is indeed in Jesus Christ and he offended you, he is forgiven in the Lord if he asks forgiveness. He is in the Lord. Jesus' blood paid for his sin. Why would you not forgive? So may this one blood really unite us, not just in mind, in mouth, and in heart, but really in action. Love one another. Forgive one another. Now, our last heading is headed for the banquet, the age of the church, verses 9 to 11. So you see the representatives of Israel saw theophany. What is that? This is just a joke. It's like a Zoom call back then. You see God, but it's not there. They saw theophany, the appearance of God, the visible manifestation of God in heaven. That's why you see his um, feet were on the sapphire stones in heaven above. God and his people are united in the covenant. In Exodus 19, as I said, they cannot come near, cannot even touch the mountain. Beginning of the chapter, come worship from afar. But in this verse, what did they do? They come and they dine together with the Lord because the sacrifice has been offered. The blood of the sacrifice covers them. They're counted righteous. And that reminds us of who we are today. We are counted righteous. Like Israelites, nothing they did. They just gave the offering that God provided for them. And here we are. We have the offering that God provided, Jesus Christ, and His righteousness is imputed, counted for my sake so that I can come near. And you think, oh, Moses' time was so cool. We can see God. You have it better. The Apostle John says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What is that? Jesus. We have the fullness of the revelation of God in Jesus. You want to go back to the shadow? Don't. Look at Jesus. Look upon his cross. The fullness of God's love, mercy, and justice. And this is the God that will rule the earth, heaven and earth. And remind ourselves, He will come. You think this is good? Yes, it is. Better than Israelites? Yes. But 
something better is yet to come. What is that? That we will see Jesus face to face, not Zoom call anymore. You will come and touch him and we will be with him forevermore. Is this the zeal that pushes us forward every day? Disappointments in this world, they're just temporary. Illness, if God heals, praise the Lord. His name be praised. If God doesn't heal, praise the Lord. My faith is strengthened. Because I know one day that perfect body will be mine. One day, I will see with the eyes that will never fail, my Savior and my Lord. Is this what your church is going forward to? So Christians, why are we not up there yet? <laughs> it's the best place to be. Should we just go home and leave the world? No. Remember Jesus' priestly prayer. I pray for this church. They are not of the world, but they are in the world. Here we are in here right now, so that we may proclaim this message. Tell you, if you want Jesus to come soon, I will tell you a secret that's not very secret. We can make it faster. Haste the coming of the Lord. Oh, really? You can do that? Yes. How? Preach the gospel. Because when the elect, when the number is completed, Jesus will come. Are you longing for that day? Are you living for that day? Then live your life. Do not live life aimlessly, but discipline our bodies, says Paul. Prepare for that great banquet. Each day is one day closer to the coming of the Lord. Let us as a church together stand united in the word, headed by the elders, realizing we're consecrated by Jesus' blood, we're called to preach this message. And if you're not in Christ today, you are also heading somewhere, but not the banquet. It is called the eternal furnace of fire. There, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So I invite you today, if you hear this message, the Lord is coming you to come to Him and repent, worship Him, kiss the Son while there's time. You want to be found ready in Jesus. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we never cease to see the privilege that we may call you Father. Every time we say that word, Father, who are we? that we may be adopted as your children. And you did not just leave us as we are or we were, but you sanctify us each day. You give us your spirit that we may be conformed to the image of your true son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, help us as a church, your body, that we may proclaim your name, bring glory to your name. May this name be known for uh, uh, for what it is, for the greatness and for the joy that it contains. Father, teach us to live for you. Teach us to realize that there is no greater pleasure but to worship you, to enjoy you, to know you more. Father, teach us 
to love one another, to bring the word to one another. May our conversations, even after this service and throughout the week, be seasoned with your word so that we don't only talk about the fun stuff of the world, but we talk about the fun stuff that is happening, the great banquet, the beautiful Savior that will greet us by the door, even fetch us home. Until that day we see Jesus, Father, keep us faithful. Work your will in this church. Bless every message that's preached from this pulpit that it brings you glory. We pray for those people who are lost in cults, in false churches. Father, call your elect, call your people, and use us that we may preach to them. Help us to be faithful as we live through this time. Even though persecution is light here, remind us that we are still pilgrimage and we are not home yet. Help us to store and to fix our eyes for heaven above. We surrender the rest of our day today and the rest of the week and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.